Certainly not reading anything over here, Duncan. <laughs> <laughs> the prosecution rests, Your Honor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I object to my own testimony. <laughs> Check, please. I call Sustain. for a bad court thingy. <laughs> yeah, that's why you're the judge, and I'm the law talking dude. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Oh, that's good. I like that. Are we actually doing the show just now? <laughs> reference to David. Hi, David. Uh, about three or four times. Well, I know. Like, you know, we, it was a little hijacked, but that's okay. <laughs> it wouldn't be the first time around here. <laughs> this is what people come to expect of us, this combination of us. Mm. Right. Exactly. Yeah, Duncan and Bo is to podcasting what Viagra is to an old porn star. <laughs> I mean, it'll get you going, but no one wants to see it. You know what I mean? <laughs> also, you run the risk of a heart attack. <laughs> <laughs> hi <-o. laughs> Yeah. Our, our podcast comes with one of those like warning stickers, but it's not explicit language. It's like, no, seriously, your life is valuable. What are you doing? <laughs> the the Dunboco life alert bracelets. Yes. For discerning yeah, podcasters. Yeah, it just listens for our podcast to play, and it stops you. <laughs> yeah, both started editing out our, our version of Jerry Springer's Final Thoughts, which is just, there's better things to do with your life than listen to this show. Do that. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> things you could have done in the hour you spent listening to me. Yeah. You know what, what you'll never hear? Duncan and Bo see the sun. <laughs> it's never gonna happen no which is why we're recording at whatever crazy times of night for each person here yeah that's right we got three three time zones going on yeah yes the mings is just made up always fun yeah yeah along with a number of other things <laughs> So I don't know if we introduced the show or not, but I think maybe <laughs> if, if you're still with us or just joining us for the first time because all of that has been edited out. Welcome to a VD Clinic podcast episode. David, you bastard. <laughs> Stop. Would you shut up? They're trying to start the show. Sorry. I am usually Darren, and with me is a founding member and co-host, mostly Vanessa. Vanessa. Mostly Vanessa. And then? The part takeover of uh, Duncan and Bo. <laughs> yes. I feel like it's an Abbott and Costello movie, like Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein, where these two worlds just kind of like... <laughs> Like, well, well, what the last one was what Duncan and Bo get VD. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this <laughs> it was nice. <laughs> it's hard to shake. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> but warning would have been there. Uh, would have been nice, guys. 
Duncan and Bo continue to get VD. Part two. <laughs> Clap back. <laughs> Duncan and Bo get VD again? How careless are they? Right. They refuse to wear a Jimmy. <laughs> it's that time of year again. Because un- unlike uh, uh, shit, unlike Shock G, I don't always have a gym hat. Oh dear. Oh no, poor Ansta. What are you doing? Uh-huh. Oh, nice. <laughs> you, rep- listen, you represent the both of us on this show. Clean it up. And look, I, if you don't care for Digital Underground, that's your fault, not mine. Agreed. Oh, no, I like it. I'm just saying clean up the, the kind of blue humor that you're bringing to this episode. It's a serious fucking episode, Bo Ransdell. didn't say anything blue. Mm-hmm. I can read between the lines. Yeah, that was, <laughs> that was filthy. Yeah, that filth mongerer. <laughs> you monger filth. That's what that means. I don't even know what mongering is. What is a fishmonger? <laughs> what, like, how, how are you mongering fish, and does it require the whole hand? <laughs> you got washed before you do it, and after. Well, sure you do. It's fish. Yeah, I mean... Speaking uh, of filthy... A monger well. is denoting a dealer or trader in a specified commodity. Okay, so yep. a whoremonger is like a, a, a pimp. <laughs> Yeah, a person I mean, who promotes a specified activity, situation, or feeling, especially one that is undesirable or discreditable. Mm-hmm. It's, it's actually a highly detailed and full explanation in Chapter 2 of Rashomon, Bo. Oh, God but damn maybe it. you don't remember it that way. Yeah. He's like, it's, it's that back-to-front shit. I just don't get it. <laughs> yeah, Bo doesn't read books. He burns them at the weekend oh, in his reenactments. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I'm the Nazi. <laughs> well, what's that supposed to mean, Bo? Oh, well, I, I was just like, no. You're in Tennessee. That's where the clan is. Yeah, yeah. I was being indignant. <laughs> I also heard that's where some of the best marijuana in America is grown. What? It's all right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You can neither confirm to deny or deny. Uh, sources I can say. confirm. <laughs> <laughs> we are uh, doing just fine. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you do it. This is what you get when you get Saturday when you get VD on Saturday night. It's like That's this, right. this is how it started. <laughs> Some reason we've, we've brought out the <laughs> double click rands delay with yet. Although double click rands is a fucking great nickname, and that would be that should be your poker name if you ever decide to do international poker on you know, I, those Las Vegas streamed ones. You well, you, know, you know, I've always flirted with that. Um, <laughs> you have. That's true. I thought it was a reference to. The uh, Weird Al yeah. line about double clicking on the Miz house. Yeah. <laughs> Told you that. Blue. Blue humor. Constantly. Yeah. Keep it clean, Ryan's though. Oh, Sorry. why? Oh. Come on. This is, Do you realize where you are? <laughs> I do. I do. But me and Bo although have a conversation I, offline about I, this. No, no, no. I realized, though, recently, David has edited out a certain amount of my blue humor. <laughs> He's censoring me. <laughs> he is trying to keep it clean. 
<laughs> and it's keep, still not keep. that clean. <laughs> <laughs> That's fucked up. Tell. <laughs> yeah. You, you should not be censored. But then again, if if he were smart, his response would be, "Well, then you fucking edit the show." <laughs> yep. And it's like, well, check and mate. I guess I will no. just censored. No, check check and mate would be me saying to him, "Yeah, but I pay you, bitch." <laughs> so, so Do that what you told. Dance, monkey, you dance. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> if I'm gonna pay you. <laughs> And I hope everyone just ticked off monkey on their bingo card for Bo Ransdell at 10 minutes I in the show. You, <laughs> I love you. <laughs> yeah. How long will it take Bo to bring up monkeys? Yeah. It's like, one of us. It's, it's inevitable with one of us around. Yeah. Monkeys will be brought up. And uh, this is, within, right. within the next five minutes, there will be a Willie from Simpsons impression <laughs> in relation to me. It's another tick. Give it time. <laughs> I'm watching the clock now. <laughs> I'm gonna wait until five minutes and one second. Cover the point spread. Uh huh. Point uh, spread. Whoever's got the under. You know, I was thinking <laughs> to completely divert <laughs> the conversation. Mm-hmm. Let's take a break and then let's come back and actually discuss <laughs> some ghost dog, <laughs> the way of the samurai. <laughs> Keep ourselves a little on track. <laughs> uh, God bless your cotton socks. Yeah. yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> We're very sorry. No, it's quite all right. <laughs> He's he's lying. He did. He's I've been a bad. It. I've been a bad participant too in the mat in the mat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It takes it takes two to be a bad guest, Vanessa. One one to be the bad guest, and the other to allow it. Yes. yes no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm That's trying to have we'll... some semblance of uh, you know. Logic. We had them. It was during the summer series, (laughs) like, and it was me and Bo, and we had Dave Z on. And Dave Z was really, really, really excited. He's like, "This is like, this is great. I've never done a podcast before with the famous Duncan and Bo. He sit, you know, podcasted with us separately, but I've never done this before." And then me and Bo just start swinging into full Duncan and Bo kind of rhythm, and he kind of. Like shot us down. Well, I think it was about three sentences. And he's like, before you get into your routine, and I was like, oh, <laughs> I, oh me, out. Right. <laughs> he, knew but, he knew what was coming. Yeah, that's not that's not bad. Like that is not. I'm not offended when somebody does that. It's like, oh, you're right because given even a like, give us an inch and we'll take a a, a fucking state. Yes. You know, uh, or in, in your neck of the woods duncan a city state ah yes yes that's mm, kind of not right but i'll let you off <laughs> uh, a, a fiefdom sir but no cigar maybe maybe 
I don't right, know about done. that, but we're going to take a break and we'll be right back. <laughs> I thought that was the break. I, yeah, I thought we were on the break. <laughs> I don't know if we did the break, but just in, in case, case. We didn't. Just in case. Yes. We really okay. mean it this time. Still a cool and practice kung fu on the roof next to the pigeon coop and keep it stacked like the big boy Cadillac 48 tracks and got my voice on the dad samurai style for them niggas acting wild and them jealous motherfuckers throwing boobs in my crowd Steve Ripper feeling proud who made it loud now them nine can relax killer arm throw swords on tracks unite my kingdom family roar you on Brooklyn Zoo saw you as the sons of man jam law be the black man 97 band power me your fans niggas own this land You can feel free to steer us back into a movie. Yeah, there. I'm sorry. Oh, I will. I, well, I will since... talk about the Mandalorian all night. Well, since you brought up Lone Wolf and Cub, yeah, uh, I did. We've got Ghost Dog instead. <laughs> I mean, makes me think of Black Elk. (laughs) Mm Kind of just his favorite. They're both great. Um, Look, Duncan and I, there's a reason we're on this show, not just to ruin it. Although that's, (laughs) we we were, we're like vampires. You have to ask us in before we ruin your life. (laughs) (laughs) But, but we, Duncan and I have been talking forever about how much we love Ghost Dog, mm. and and we do. We know. And yeah, just, just a tiny, tiny little bit. I I think I went as far as to say I think it may be one of the most underrated movies of all time. And I'm not even kidding or joking when I'm no, saying no, that. No, no, 
I 100% agree. It's Jarmusch's best movie by a mile. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a little mirror. Anyway, well, it, I'll shut up. Vanessa. Well, no, no, up? no. And I was going to say, I know you have that love there. And I was going to have you talk about that. But I wanted to also tell you that even before Darren was a co-host on this show, I had decided this was going to be, with Rashomon, was going to be a contribution of mine to an episode of this show. I had decided from the inception of the VD Clinic. I just knew it had to be done. Because I this movie I love so much, and you're, it, I don't feel like enough people talk about it. Yeah, it's it's fucking rad from it has so much going for it it has so much going for it you're gonna talk about this a lot smarter than i am (laughs) i don't know about that but go ahead with what you're saying because most of my comments are going to be like and then the rizza shows up (laughs) (laughs) because there is something that is so like effortless effortlessly cool about this movie mm-hmm. the soundtrack mm-hmm. the forest whitaker is a cool motherfucker the henry silva henry silva is cool the the, the entire uh, ice cream yeah the ice cream truck driver the scene there is a the, scene in this the movie. guy that plays sunny that loves cliff gorman that loves Public Enemy and Flavor Flav. Oh yeah. my God! When he is so cold lamping, cold lamping with the flavor in front of his fucking bathroom mirror is one of those moments in life. The first time I saw it, I was like, "What in the fuck am I watching? And Thank why you. aren't all movies like this?" Thank you. He kicks the flies. Don't maneuver technicality, but I don't know if you know that. <laughs> Did you guys uh, hear Jim uh, Jarmusch talk about his audition anywhere? No. Yes. no. Yeah. Oh fuck! I oh. I don't know nothing. Go, please. It was, I well, it, it was pretty quick. The part that I saw, he said that he came in, and he just did ran through the sides once. He put it down. He's like, "Hey, you know that's that's about as good as I'm gonna do. I gotta go by," and he walked out. Yeah. And he's like, "That's the fucking guy." And then he because gave him that's a really how Sunny would be. Yeah. <laughs> and uh-huh. and the thing is, is that most of these actors in this film are stage actors Mm -hmm. and cliff gorman for instance like one of his big films that he was in was boys in the band in the what was that the early 70s which was like a huge like hallmark of gay cinema interestingly enough but in but he's a tony award-winning actor you know like these are mostly actors who are known for stage type things except for forrest whitaker and like henry silva i mean they're the only ones who are like known for kind of film and even still they're actors that have a cult following Mm -hmm. well but because they're so they're like each of them is a character and and i mean that in in both the you know the literal narrative sense but also that more you know like that guy's a character like they're all very distinct even even the guys that are only in it for a couple of minutes have little quirks about them that are really interesting and and kind of keep you hooked because like most jarmish movies are are you can kind of characterize as being leisurely paced to be generous. <laughs> right. You know? Right. 
but I don't feel that with ghost dog. Like no. every, while I'm watching this movie, everything that is happening, I find to be just hypnotic. And, uh, from like the slow motion tracer scenes of him, mm-hmm. Uh, on the roof doing his samurai moves with his guns the way that he kind of flips his gun before he holsters it like it's a cd the way he flips his cd before Mm -hmm. he puts it in the player yeah always it is something it is something it's ritualistic and it's so fucking cool (laughs) like yes yes like I would never be able to get away with doing that, but if I could, you know, like <laughs> if I had an 18th of Forrest Whitaker's coolness to be able to pull that off and, and you just can't undersell how amazing he is as this modern day samurai. I mean, it's he a just- very understated performance. I think that's what like, I mean, Forrest Whitaker prior to this, um, had done quite, he'd been all over the place, but he'd done quite a bit of, and it was never like lead role parts per se, but he'd been he'd been there, been a hardworking actor and done his time. Um, this comes off the back of, um, you know, a large amount of collaboration and dialogue with Jarmusch um, to really kind of button down who Ghost Dog is as a character. And then what he brings to the screen, like to me, when you watch the movie, and you see his performance that, you know, there's no doubt in my mind that, you know, this guy is going to go off and he's going to win Oscars and he's going to, he's going to go. He's, Cause the way he embodies right. fully, I think is that's what we were saying earlier on about like just across the board being understayed. And that there are a lot of people that came to Forrest Whitaker off the back of uh, the King of Scotland or something along those lines. And I don't. I think people are like, you know, who who is this? Who is this guy for us? Well, you know, yeah, I mean? and Not he had already done. Do and he had already been doing, you know, amazing work. I mean, just look mm. at what he did in Bird. Mm-hmm. You know, the Crying Game. Mm-hmm. Those two performances alone. <laughs> I was introduced to him uh, by seeing Species at the proper. young, <laughs> young age. Um, I mean, yeah. I know why you watched it. Yeah, everyone, everyone <laughs> I watched it and we right. also know what age you were when you watched it and how many times you did um, I mean what, and, it points, and, up. But, and it went points but that's okay yeah, um, yeah. I, I was uh, right around 14 uh, yeah. Yes. yeah like wasn't Forrest Whitaker in Fast Times yes oh, he like, was I remember, yeah yes, I remember him popping up in that and then seeing fuck with it and good morning Vietnam Good morning, Vietnam was the performance where it was like he's really good in this. Like it's yeah. a it's a small part, but it's 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 important. Exactly, and, and he's good in it. And then when I saw Ghost Dog, I was like, Forrest Whitaker is the fucking man, and it will always be. Like it's I, not a huge amount. Of, this is the thing: it is not a huge amount of dialogue. It requires. I mean, most of the dialogue you get from Ghost Dog as a character is narration. Over parts of the, you know, the, the actual code of the samurai or bushido, um, in between, you know, his 
in between his scenes and the the performance is mostly a physical performance and even the way he yes. approaches that whether it's the the small eccentricities of how he holsters his gun in the way how a samurai would holster their sword or how he brings out the cd that we mentioned before but specifically the way he moves there's there's a combination of almost kind of this kind of street gangster sort of walk that he has but later on in the movie even when he he gets like shot and he knows that Louis is going to have to do what Louis is going to have to do. Um, but the way he like continues to walk, it's a very physical performance, um, which sells it for me. It's, it's gentle at times and entirely menacing at other parts. Um, and he's a big guy. So this idea that he would have to, he would be the stealth assassin, you, you know, you wouldn't instantly be inclined to cast Forrest Whitaker in that sort of role. Um, I think it all just works. Once again, I think it comes down to that. It's it's that Jarmusch eye. It's that I have a vision for something and you need to come along with me because when I write it down on paper, you're never going to believe it's going to fucking work. <laughs> but trust me, trust me, I will keep you entertained for two hours about this story, about this kind of ganghood that's going to be resurrected as like this gangster hitman with the with the code of the samurai uh, who's going to work for the mob um and what i love about it is the the kind of juxtaposition of the the kind of the two worlds the kind of the kind of dying world of the cosa nostra um and the emergence of what would be kind of black gang culture and how one is like rescinding while the other one is thriving and the you know the ideas of them being put together there's so much it's Jarmusch so there's so much going on but he makes it look like that's just the way the story should be and should have always been and if you haven't put that together already then who the fuck are you why did you not think that I think that's why it works I mean it, it doesn't hurt that you can call up your buddy the RZA and get him to do his first movie score. I mean, the first movie yeah. score that does is Ghost Dog. It's fucking amazing. I the know. The music in this is so good. <laughs> oh, my so God. Good. And I think no. part it's... of it was that a lot of the people wrote their songs after watching the scene that their song was yes. going to go in. Of course. Yes, they did. I yeah. think that was rad as fuck. I Man. know I say rad a lot, but I really mean it this time. <laughs> it's... it's... <laughs> the scene where, like, this is the definition of rad. This moment <laughs> where Forrest Whitaker and the RZA are approaching each other oh, on the man. sidewalk. Yeah. And RZA says, Ghost Dog, peace, equality. Mm-hmm. And Ghost Dog's response is, always see everything, my brother. And it's just yeah. they stop, acknowledge each other, and then walk on. It is. Yeah. Yeah, one day I will visit Nashville, what? and when I get into Nashville and Bo Ransdell meets me at the train station or, or airport, we will walk past each other, recreate that scene, but then we'll just keep walking, and I'll get lost, because I don't know Nashville. <laughs> I've never been before, and we, Bo's we, like, where's he going? Yeah. I know, I'll get it. I'll be like, well, I've got to let him go. If you love something, let it go. <laughs> I got drunk as fuck with the guy tw- from Northern Exposure in Nashville <laughs> once. Which which one? Uh, the one that was in Big Fat Greek Wedding. Okay. Oh, John the, Corbett. I think he was the DJ or something like that. Yeah. Exposure. Yeah. 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 John Corbett. Corbett. Yeah. We we were down there working on uh, uh, one of our albums, uh, one one of the bands I was in, and the producer took us out to a bunch of clubs, and yeah, you know, we ended up getting drunk with him. There's 
definitely a picture of me passed out in my hotel lobby after after that night <laughs> yeah nashville will do that to you <laughs> it'll, it'll leave you drunk in a lobby if you're not careful <laughs> oh i was careful when i went there but i was amazed that my hotel had as many different like religious texts in it <laughs> It wasn't kinda... just the Bible. I'm like, wow. <laughs> you like the Bible, the Book of Mormon, the Necronomicon? <laughs> <laughs> that was Man. about the only thing they didn't offer. I mean, they had the whatever Dianetics in there, you know. Yeah. Oh, the I mean, Scientology book. Nashville is non-denominational. It is like, no, no, no. We want your tourist money. Yo, yeah, they are. Yeah, what, whatever your thing is, you just come and listen to some country music and give us those sweet, sweet revenue dollars. Oh, yeah, sweet. exactly. <laughs> it had a good punk scene, too. I, I will give, it that does, to, give that to Nashville. Le- legitimately a great music scene. No matter what you're yeah, into, absolutely. there is a great band that is into it. I highly recommend a band called The Weeks that came out of Nashville. Anyway, go on. <laughs> but Ghost Dog. Fuck. Sorry. <laughs> so good. Anytime someone says ghost dog, I just well, like okay, so, fuck. Yeah, it's like not, only do you, not only do you have the RZA soundtrack, like in score or whatever, you also have public enemy thrown in there. So you know I'm happy. <laughs> yeah, that like, means uh, the rappers, like the rappers. They all have what is, like the rappers, that. like flavor flav. <laughs> what is the, the the Wu-Ting song? Uh uh Fast Shadow? Is a great Wu Tang song in this. Yeah, yeah. And and like, like all of the, there is such good rap of this era, mm-hmm. which is maybe my favorite era of rap. Yes. Um, in this movie, and it, like again, the the score by the RZA is just impeccable, and uh, it it provides the atmosphere you need. For like it, it it gives it that air of coolness that exists anyway, but it just really sends it over the top. It's the frosty on the muffin, some would say. The frosting on top of that muffin, Bill Ransdale. <laughs> and um, the but like we were saying, like Jim Jarmusch is actually saying something uh, with this movie. Like you know, I never like to agree with Duncan too much, but you know, <laughs> the idea of these two dying worlds like the samurai and the the mob are two Mm -hmm. dead philosophies and here are the last you know two bastions of it amidst this this other world that is rising and you know it's it's like ghost talk his insistence of like sometimes sometimes the old ways still matter Mm -hmm. you know like the idea of justice and honor and, and even his fealty uh, to, to his master, you know, it was like, look, I'm, you know, yes, it doesn't make a ton of sense, but it's how I live my life and I'm dedicated to it. And it's like, there's, there's something so noble about that idea. It's, it's sort of a weird underdog story in a way Mm -hmm. of, of this guy that, you know he he is championing a philosophy that he just kind of borrowed and and became yeah. but he's sincere there's no irony to it he he is committed to the idea of being a samurai and it's i mean well, good lord what more and, do you want out of a movie and i think it helps that 
when this film was done, Forrest Whitaker and some of the other people who worked on the film decided to start reading more about Eastern philosophy. So, you know, they had that in the back of their minds while they were actually doing these different performances or directing whatever. Like, I think that I think that speaks volumes and gives basically this film a different feel than some others that might have tried to go down this route. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there, there's something so it's like a, a, it's a thoughtfulness. Yes. And, and, and like I said, it's, there's this hypnotic element to these scenes where even when you're just watching ghost dog meditate, it's a combination of direction and music and performance and all of the things coming together, uh, which is, is the hallmark of all great movies where just everything about it works. And the biggest complaint I have with the movie personally is that because a lot of these actors are kind of stage actors, some of the deliveries are a little, not even flat, like they're real, you know, but they're real in a way that's kind of like, I, I, it's weird to hear people talk like this in a movie. Yeah. (laughs) And, but, but it's not unnatural and it, it, it's weird, but but it's one of the things that I both it like it, it's it kind of takes me out of the movie for a second because it's it's so odd the experience of that it, it, it's a weird sort of doubling effect and but I but I also wouldn't change it for the world you know right. like I I think this is a perfect movie it's it's one of my favorite things that ever happened on cinema. Yeah, and weirdly, weirdly, double bills like incredibly well with um, in Bruges. <laughs> yeah, oh, it, it really does. Like, that's I, could see, I could see that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> our friend Scott's favorite horror movie. That's right, horror comedy <laughs> is in Bruges. Um, yeah. Scott, if you are listening to this, we love you dearly. But come on, man. <laughs> Uh, but it does because there's once again there's a weird kind of vein of humor in here that Jermish likes to play with, whether it's you know Ghost Dog managing to shoot Louis twice identically in the same spot, yeah, <laughs> which I love, or like whether it's you know Sunny's cold lamping efforts, or just in general some of the the kind of like you see the weird delivery and the kind of. Uh, and the organization of like these aging mobsters still trying to act as if you know they are the, the real deal, the big movers and shakers, and and the underworld, and they are small part of this dilapidated area of town. Um, and you know all, all that stuff works really well. And then there's the there's there's other scenes like the the two hunters that have killed the bear uh, and the kind of racial undertones that are in that scene and what Ghost Dog does to them. You know, there's 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 a weird vein that Jarmusch likes to tap into when he does these things and it works really well, but it adds a bit of depth. I mean there's a there is an easy way to make this movie kind of facile and one dimensional and in the hands of other directors it probably would be. It probably more towards the action side because that's the bit that you usually get. But the fact you get this kind of Specifically, what Vanessa was saying, 
this idea of Eastern philosophies kind of not just peppered in, but it is the soul of this movie that's carried right through, is the, is the main reason I think it endures, because the older I get with Ghost Dog, the more I take away from it. Because um, when I watched it first time round, I was a teenager, um, and this movie, not to infer my age, uh, but the... the you were just the like, movie, cool motherfucker, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but when I was watching it, it, like to me, it did lean more towards the, the music and the violence and less towards... Mm-hmm. Like the the rest of the movie, and as I've grown older, it's it's funny how that the the kind of violence becomes um, like secondary to the rest of the story. It's still fucking cool. Um, but you know when he when he decides to take the hit out on Sonny, and he you know is gonna do this kind of ostentatious way of essentially shooting a, a bill up a drain pipe. Um, That's to, to the, you know, one of the best kills of this movie. Yeah, it's fucking incredible. But you know, like, like you have those set pieces, but it's not like I'm counting down to those set pieces. I can exist, and it, it was weird. Bo and myself spoke about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood uh, a couple of weeks ago, um, mm-hmm. and one of the things Bo had pointed out, and once again, if Bo doesn't like to agree with me, I I struggle to agree with him. But it's hard not to admit the man <laughs> has a point here. Um, what a jerk! It, <laughs> um, there's a there's a good. F- it's a five plus minute scene of Brad Pitt feeding his dog, and it's a scene where oh, yes. he's, he's essentially just opening a can of food to feed his dog. And the camera lingers over it, and it's this most kind of you know rudimentary kind of human interaction that most directors would fast cut out of or not show at all. Um, but it's fascinating how you just get drawn into it. And you could just watch him open another can if he wanted to. I would have stayed in that scene. Um, it speaks volumes to his character because, I'm sorry, anybody yeah. who relates to an animal like that, that, that says a lot about them. Yeah. As an animal lover. I just got to yeah, say that. But I think... Yeah. I think I think it's the way it draws. Like, if you can, ha- if you can grab an audience member and show them that sort of just, like, just a, a a human activity, and have them as engrossed in that scene as they will be later on with the inclusion of a flamethrower. You know, you you've 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 hit something. And Ghost mm-hmm. Dog's the same way because yeah. the the moments in where he is practicing on you know on a rooftop or spending time with his pigeons, which by the way. Um, Jim Jarmusch will get in touch with the team behind John Wick, and they will they will wonder why residual checks from Loris Fishburne's performance as some sort of weird gangland leader who also seems to have the way of the samurai and surrounded by pigeons. I'm just saying, seems very close to the vein. But um, when when you're watching it, those those elements are moments you get lost in as well. You know, if he's sitting on the rooftop or having ice cream with this girl and trying to, you know, have an interaction with a kind of mainstay Jim Jarmusch actor who's speaking, you know, French and he can't chat with him and all they do is they right. hang out together and play chess. Those scenes are, to me, they hold just the same amount of weight, importance and uh, panache that any of the other scenes in the movie is. And it's very, very, very fucking difficult to do that. And Jarmusch makes it look easy like super this movie is chill and it flows so easy but there's so much going on which in the hands of another director would not work can i tell you the the secret best scene in this movie (laughs) go for it 
it's when ghost dog and the uh his, his buddy from the ice cream truck raymond are all, Raymond are on the roof watching the guy build the boat. Oh yeah. And and none of them speak the same language. So they <laughs> they can't understand each other, but everyone is having this mutual moment of joy that this thing exists. And it is the to me it is the heart and soul of this movie. It is the reason that Ghost Dog like this moment it like seeing the absurdity of this thing completely out of place is ghost dog. Mm-hmm. And it is a moment of recognition of ghost dog seeing himself in the boat and loving it. And I, it's my favorite thing about the movie. Well, oh. and I had, I have to say, I know it was filmed in Jersey city, but I mean, close enough for government work, I guess. But it reminds me so much of an experience you can have living in New York where you have so many different kinds of immigrants and you cannot necessarily know the exact language. You might know some some words shared and, you know, you're still, you know, you can still be friendly and whatever in a way caring about people that just are in the neighborhood it's kind of it's a strange kind of environment to mm-hmm. live in, and um, I mean, and for me, like it reminds me very much of a neighborhood that I live in, because um, my neighborhood is Caribbean too, like this, where you know he's talking about the Haitian tailors and listening to Perlene's mother. I assume she's either Haitian or um, some other sort of West Indian. Uh, mm-hmm descent with the accent because um, my my neighborhood is more jamaican and trinidadian but still it's the yeah the haitian like accents not very far away you know everything else and it, so i but it's interesting where here you have perlene where she's like what language is he speaking and she's like and that's your best friend and wait a minute like she's processing like that is so strange that you don't speak the same language but she starts to understand that, yeah, you understand each other and you are friends. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's kind of what I find interesting about it too, is that there's this connection of humanity that's different, you know, across these people that speak totally different languages compared to these people who do speak the same language. Yeah. There's a tenderness in it. I think I've, think like i say that i i can't think ghost dog is a very unique movie in that i cannot think of any other movie that is even remotely like it i mean i've, I've seen plenty of movies where you know you've you've had a you know people that adopt the samurai code from from different cultures or ethnic ethnicities but i've never seen um a movie that that does the full breadth of what this movie does. And I think in a lot of respects that is to our benefit, but also to the movie's downfall because they had no idea how to market this movie at all. Um, you know, it's, a, it's, it's, you know, it's, well, it's got hip hop in it. It's got, you know, it's got like action. It's got the mafia at the time where Sopranos was just starting to find its groove. And it's got all these things, but it's also got this, you know, 
and, you know, it's done by this art house director, and you know, like all these different elements which should not work together, which do work together if you give the movie its time. I've never met anyone that didn't like Ghost Dog. No, um, it, it's just I don't meet many people who have seen it. It has made, it, I mean, it did make money. Don't get me mm-hmm. wrong, but it also was made for a really cheap amount. <laughs> you know, not even a hundred seventy thousand dollars. I know, which uh, is main. <laughs> Right, exactly. Considering how big Forrest Whitaker even was at this time, mm-hmm. and he still wasn't massive, but he was big enough, you know. But you know, Jim Jarmusch too, though. Still, he was known enough that he could have, you know, probably gotten more money, but he didn't. And you're right. I don't think a lot of people have seen it, but. I don't know of anyone who's seen it who has said, "Oh, I don't like this movie." Yeah, it's, I think I've I've never and uh, it's one of my it's one it's one of the reasons that me and Bo have I, I would like to say speaking for us both, Bo, uh, it's one of the reasons that our show has probably went on as long as it has is that when you find someone that has that shared appreciation of a movie as niche as ghost dog you tend to want to speak to those people about movies just in general you know what i mean <laughs> right you, you want to spend yeah. time chatting about that so it's like a, a weird like if there was any sort of rosetta stone to duncan and Bo come correct it's going to have ghost dog in there as some sort and of riffing. yeah riffing. Rip- Riffin and Silence of the Lambs probably will be in yeah. there. Tom Waits. Um, you know, like it, there, there are certain things that link us through. And yeah, I think when you when you take it all as a, as a whole, almost every chance I get to bring this up, and Dern will know this because the guys on the Midnight Horror show, some of them were aware of Ghost Dog, some of them hadn't seen, and I, for the full tenure on that show, I had tried to find a way to segue it in for us to watch, and eventually got them to do it, um, and it was rewarding listening to them, because they all loved it, so I was like, you know, yeah. you just have to try and get people to sit down, because when they watch it, they do enjoy it, but it's that, oh, I remember that cover on that vhs or dvd back in the day but you know yeah. i never oh, i had up. the vhs <laughs> yeah i you know i never picked up why would i pick up and it's still not to this day had a proper blu-ray release out with france I know. which yeah. france is and that's the copy i've got is the the french one which is weird I, I don't know what's going on with rights or whatnot but i feel there should be mm-hmm. in this day and age some organisation out there that can acquire the rights and do do a decent job of giving us a a, a Blu-ray of this movie. So, now that Jar- Jarmish has all those dead don't die dollars, <laughs> yeah, that movie that movie did not do well. <laughs> but I don't know how why much did I it really cost? liked that movie. I I I thought it was brilliant. If you if you ask me what what horror zombie comedy I want to watch again after the end of this year from this year i'm gonna say dead don't die a hundred times before i see zombieland 2 this is all gonna end badly yes <laughs> <laughs> such a good movie man such a good movie but yeah i, I think um yeah I, I i will like you do not have to sell me to appear this is just a, like a word to any future podcasters out there you do not need to sell a duncan guest appearance um at all to me 
uh, when it comes to coming to speak about Ghost Dog, because I will literally talk about it anywhere. Um, and well, yeah, it's well, just it's an easy chat. <laughs> well, one thing I wanted to ask is specifically, I knew we were all going to gush about it. I mean, I I I knew that was a given. But I wanted to ask everyone, what is something specifically that just kind of like really you love about this that is just like indicative of the film overall for each of you? I'll let you go on, Duncan, since you are already talking. <laughs> um, I, I think to me, the it, it's, there's, it's such a small detail, but it's one that... I, I just I love movies that world build, you know, like you're you're dropped into scenario and you just accept things as the norm that are not normal. <laughs> like um and for me it's the, like ghost dogs insistence um and rigorous like need to use carrier pigeons for his message transfer, you know, in a in a world where you have mobile phones by this point, um, and emails and all these other things. The fact that Ghost Dog will insist on, and it's not it's not like that he sends them, but the the amount of like effort it takes for Louis and his crew to catch <laughs> to catch them, um, which is a little bit that sort of like that's such a weird attention. That's such a weird thing to put in this movie. Is yeah, right. He's like, you know, you imagine that conversation. You're storyboarding out this character, right? He's, you know, he's a black gangster, maybe a bit of hip hop in there, but he, he studies right uh, Bushido, right? And he reads Rashomon, and um, you know, he's a hitman, but he doesn't use a samurai sword. He uses a gun with a silencer, right? We've got that in there, and he steals cars, but when he steals cars, he plays his own soundtrack, right? We've got that as well, and um, he only communicates through carrier pigeon. It's like the weird next, <laughs> it's like the weird next level eccentricity to the, the the creation of that character, which is maybe like once again and and kind of game of Jenga and the character building. It's maybe the one block that maybe tips things over, but somehow it works and it, it probably shouldn't. But I kind of love it. Passenger vision. It's <laughs> <laughs> been extinct since 2016. <laughs> you know, I couldn't have us do a, a scene for quarantine theater because the good ones just well a little too much racism. I just <laughs> oh yeah, he's right. sure. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I just I couldn't do it. <laughs> I think that's a right call. <laughs> Bull Ransdell, what is your uh, what is your scene, Um, I this is going to sound like a little bit of a cop out, but it's not so much a, a scene as, as sort of a mood. Mm. Um, like this is a weird analogy, but you know what it's like to watch the movie Dust Boot, where. <laughs> For like on, for for like three hours, you have you're, my attention. <laughs> you're just locked into a movie that makes you feel tense, and you're nervous the whole time, and nothing feels good. And even though you're in a perfectly dry environment, you feel damp and clammy. And there's something about Dust Boot that just makes me uncomfortable. And in a, in a great way, uh, it's a credit to the filmmakers. But in a similar but entirely different way, 
Ghost Dog inspires a consistent mood throughout it that is best described as driving on uh driving through downtown on a summer night with just the right song playing mm-hmm. and your head starts bobbing and you're like yeah this is my jam mm-hmm. and that's how ghost talk feels <laughs> the whole movie it just feels like you're, you're settling into a warm bath of of fucking cool and <laughs> And you get to wallow in it for the duration, and then the movie ends, and you're like, shit, why is every movie not as good as Ghost Dog? <laughs> it's partly because the Riz is playing. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, again, I think the music is critical in this movie, but it's one of, like, five critical things that make this movie genius. Oh, yeah. I know that. Oh, I know that. It was a good answer, but I'll be honest, when you, you said Das Boot to begin with, I was like, this is going to go wrong. No, man. <laughs> you, I brought was ta- back. you brought it back. I was taking the listeners on a journey, you know? <laughs> that was, was a journey. And uh, I, was, I was bringing them in. I was, Thank I, like, you, Gilligan. That was a journey. Yeah. Made a few false moves here and there, and then like brought it in for a landing. What, what like when, when Bo said Das Boot, I wanted to lift up my... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> my Doc Martin, but the same thing go disput. So you could say no disput. Um, now nah, that fell flat. All right, let's moving on. Moving on, Darren Wilson. That seemed Darren. funnier in my head. Seemed funny. Yeah. Like in my head, oh. we were all laughing at the end and patting each other on the back. You go, that Duncan's a kidder. He's a charming Scottish kid, motherfucker. Um, and that came out of my mouth, and I was like, that's a horrible joke, Duncan. Punch yourself. No, I, <laughs> I, I was en- I was enjoying that, uh, but. It, yeah, not to, not to take part of Bo's answer from saying the whole movie is awesome, but if I'm gonna oh take I like it, Bo's cop out, you mean? Yeah, if, I, if I'm gonna take a part of Bo's answer from the whole movie as to be something that really stands out to me was um I <laughs> I really liked the the references to the samurai and the modern the modernization of the whole thing. But uh, one of my favorite things this time around, it, it will change every time I watch it, but was Ghost Dog and uh, Luis's relationship. We talked about a little bit earlier with oh, everybody yeah. speaking a different different language, but knowing what they're saying. And, you know, the, the him and Luis, just they're saying the same Lu- fucking shit. Do you shit. mean Louis or Louise? Louis, sorry. Um... The ice cream truck guy. That's Raymond. That's Raymond. Oh right <laughs> the the Luis or Louis is his uh, retainer. Retain or he's the retainer to Lu- to Louis. Yeah, and 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 Louise is the daughter, daughter of Mister Varga. <laughs> That's the head of the mob. The big yeah, the not quite Natalie Portman. <laughs> the not yeah. quite Natalie Portman from Thank Leon you. character. <laughs> yeah, Thank the, you. the girl that doesn't give a shit if the guy she's fucking gets killed or her dad. Yep. She's like, well, I yeah. got this book. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, again, uh, Bo already said it. This movie's fucking awesome. I kind of missed out on it when it first came out because it was marketed poorly. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, it's the guy from Species. He's in some sort of 
movie about ghosts, I guess. And, <laughs> <laughs> and then you get to it, and it's fucking sweet. But yeah, people walking out the cinema complaining that they didn't get the haunted scene of a ghost dog <laughs> wielding nunchuck. Yeah, <laughs> the dog was here? barely in the movie. I was expecting, uh, I was expecting a spectral pit bull. Mm. <laughs> Don't we all? The dog was in two scenes. I don't know exactly. why they called it Ghost Dog. Yeah, exactly. And then Vanessa, bring us on home. Although... What? What? I'm sorry. What? 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 You're breaking up. I thought Bo was going to say something. No, oh, I was just going to say that I thought that uh, the fact that like hearing Henry Silva casually use the, the name Ghost Dog is really funny. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, ghost dog. <laughs> hey, did you see that new Terminator movie, Ghost Dog? <laughs> I know, right? Oh, no one did. You're right, ghost dog. <laughs> You're a bad man, Paul Ranstall. <laughs> a bad, bad man. Sorry, but Vanessa, what, what was your, like, was the, was there a moment that kind of encapsulates things for you? Well, it's not necessarily just a moment, but it's the overall, the set dressing and character building that's in this movie is is just what is so endearing to me. Because, like, for instance... This is this probably encapsulates it more specifically. When you first see you're in Louis's apartment and he when he first gets the pigeon, you know, and he's trying to write the message saying, "Oh, everything went south. There's a problem. You need to come contact me urgently." You know, that kind of thing. When he's with the guy and the guy's like, "Hold the Come on, be calm, Mr. Chicken, you know, whatever. <laughs> like, but if you look around Louis's apartment, it's he has a all of the gangsters have these for sale signs outside of their houses. So this all carries out. But look at what Louis's apartment is. The paint, it needs to be painted. The couch is in plastic <laughs> like it's he's got a velvet painting and it plugs in and kind of flickers so it's like circa late 60s early 70s like he hasn't updated the decor in at least 20 years and he's barely hanging on by a thread and it says so much and he's got these different crosses and a rosary hanging like it says so much about this character and this organization and there are little touches about that throughout the film and i really that's part of what makes this film for me because when you look at ghost dog and his meager house that he has on top of a roof, you know, with all of his chickens. I mean, his chickens. Sorry, his pigeons. My dad has chickens now. <laughs> I'm preoccupied. I was talking about them earlier today. <laughs> Sorry, long story. Anyway. Also, like, just... Doesn't help the mic... Sorry, doesn't help that my cat just hit every... All my microphone <laughs> and everything, and I'm like, wait... <laughs> 
<laughs> I was going to see an if, distraction. <laughs> if everything we said has not sold you in the movie, this is the only movie that I am aware of, to the best of my knowledge, where a gangland leader, mafia leader, um, you get to visibly see talc his testicles. So there you go. That happens in this movie. <laughs> exactly. That's the thing. Thank you. Thank you. There you go. Sold. <laughs> Check, please. Does anybody have any final words on Ghost Dog, The Way of the Samurai? I think we've It's amazing. It. Watch it. Watch I, it. Everyone watch it. <laughs> I, I love all the nods back to books in this movie. They're I mean, little Perlene, who has her lunchbox filled full of books, is kind of amazing. Like, even down to Night Nurse. And she's like, I just like the cover. <laughs> you know? like <laughs> It's a good cover. Yeah, I know, right? I love those Pulp Fiction cover covers. But, I mean, like, all these different things. Like, you know, she's got Souls of Black Folks, which is, like, heavy-duty shit. And you're like, whoa. And he's, like, looking at her like, you, you've read this. And she's like... Well, I plan to, you know, like, no, not yet. But, and I'm just like, I recognize so much in her that I was at that age <laughs> where it was like, oh no, I'm reading all these different books and everything. And when she's on the floor in the kitchen at the end, like in her mother's way, you know, she's just like, no, I want to absorb every bit of knowledge I can. And, and I want to know all these different things. And she's just the sponge. He's did, going to continue. Yeah. Did I dream that there was some talk at, at a, at a point that Jim Jarmusch was going to do a sequel with the girl? I, I don't know, but I'd be up for it. Truthfully. I mean, wouldn't did, that be, did, the it's already been best? set up. I mean, think about yeah. it. It's been set up because of the way she aims at Louie at the end. Mm hmm. Yeah, I been, think he sets it up. It's been hinted on, like, to be honest, um, in the last five years, at least three times, like, certain websites have posted things saying that Riza and Jarmusch are still tight. They still see each other quite a lot, as does Forrest Whitaker with Jarmusch and Riza independently. And the talk of doing something the last I heard was there was talk about maybe doing some sort of thing with TV, like a, a TV version of Ghost Dog, whether or not that would include Ghost Dog, which I would think we all have to admit would be kind of difficult, um, or whether that would be a new incarnation following the girl. I, I don't think they've specified that out. I think there's also that idea flying around. I don't necessarily know if it is with the girl, but I know that uh, like is it an idea that's also toyed around with with Tarantino and Kill Bill? This idea of um, was it Cottonmouth's kid? You know, right. like becoming the yeah. next bride. Well, I mean, and also you can think about Ghost Dog as like a code name, like Double O Seven. Yes. Yeah. You know, you don't necessarily have to be the same individual. Yeah, Ooh, I, I like the way you think, Vanessa. Also, I would happily see. I would happily see them just take, like, just bring Forrest Whitaker back. Anyway, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> right? You know, like, like reboot, reboot it as a TV show where you're like, oh no, we're just gonna retell Ghost Dog. He's older now, but who gives a shit? Yeah, who, who gives a shit? I would, I would right. Well, he could be the sensei. 
It could be. I, I, once again, I would watch that. <laughs> like, I would totally it, watch that. As long as Jarmusch is attached to it, Rizzo's doing oh, the music, yes. and Forrest Whitaker somewhere involved with the project, even if it's just like in flashbacks so or something, so I will watch much. it all. Yeah, just give me that. Oh my God, what if like she's... <laughs> She sees a ghost version of Ghost Dog. You've been watching so it's a ghost Star ghost dog. <laughs> you watch this, like, he, he somehow tapped into the, the true code of Bushido and can come back beyond the grave. Yeah. And she's just like but it, it's more sitcom y where she's just at school and and uh she's like, Oh my god, who's gonna ask me to homecoming? And he's <laughs> like, you know, the way of the samurai says you should say fuck homecoming and just go <laughs> meditate. And she's like, oh, ghost dog. <laughs> What's the girl's name? Uh, what is her name? I can't remember now. Yeah. What? It's Perlene. It, Perlene, per- yeah. 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 <laughs> Use the woo, Perlene. <laughs> oh, right. Perlene. Perlene. Summon the powers of the 36 chambers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, just, shit. just Whitaker, like where the, oh, the Jedi force blow around them, though, just kept being like, the woo. <laughs> I've been listening to so much woo in the past uh, 24 hours. That's the best thing right? to do. It really is. I, I, I love me some Wu Tang. Wu Tang! Oh. I, I mean, I'm usually listening to the public enemy, so that's a, <laughs> So I just took a break and was listening to the, to the woo the past 24 hours. Sure. Yeah. Also yeah. going through a bit of a renaissance at the moment, which I'm kind of loving. I All know. through their TV output and, and stuff. Uh, Deserved. I mean, I will fucking tell you. I saw the Wu-Tang in September. And they were fucking awesome. They had me thinking that I was in the Wu-Tang clan. I was throwing up the W. <laughs> I was all like, fuck yeah. You know, and uh, they were, yeah. No. Still ripples through me. Mm-hmm. So, Ghost Dog, Way of the Samurai, fuck yeah! Everybody yeah, gotta watch yeah. it. I think <laughs> I, I think I'm speaking for all of us. Although I'm not being, you know, I don't want to assume, but I would say we all recommend it. I think that, <laughs> that sounds accurate. I think yes. I think that was gonna. I in fact, I kind of figured that ahead of time. <laughs> Yeah, it, it's. I knew this was going to be a little bit of a love fest. I just, you know, wasn't sure of how much. That's all. I mean, we haven't had a hate fest yet, but this was one of our better love fests. Yeah, I can hate it if you want. Fuck Ghost Dog, and it's perfect. Little you beautiful. Shut your mouth! <laughs> <laughs> Don't make me slap you. <laughs> Duncan and Bo canceled. <laughs> I Never say good say. day, sir. Good day. <laughs> I will I will shut down that show and burn the masters. <laughs> ever hear him say fuck ghost dog again. That's how you know it'll be over if on air me and Bo are talking like things start to get heated and one of us invokes the fuck ghost dog clause. Which right. is just self-destruct for the show. <laughs> It's like Beetlejuice. If you say it three times, the show's <laughs> over. Fair enough. That Fair is enough. the way of the samurai. Exactly. Many guns with silencers up. 
bear poachers down. And on that note, I think we're going to take a break and we will be back in a few minutes. Be back. I'm never lonely in the battlefield, the apple they kill, official Blessville from Best Eye, East New York, the face of Brownsville, this sound is real, I get down revealed, a pill of seven mil addicted to dope, coke and grills, on the street corners, they sleep on us, we keep burners, see them lame guys with strange eyes, it don't concern us, bloods and crips, automatic slugs to whip, we quit the drug shit, now we own some music and shit, living this ghetto dream, settle mellow out with cream, my thousand man team, samurai king, keeping our thoughts clean, keeping our thoughts clean, Turn off your hobbies. But let's talk about Roshamon, or more specifically, you guys talk about Roshamon, and I, no, will, no, 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 I will do okay. color commentary. So, <clears throat> yes, as we come back in, I don't know where we came back in, if we have come back in, or are we coming back I in? Hope we did. <laughs> David, where are we? Exactly. And um, cut. Yes, exactly. We are back. And Rashomon. So we were talking about the book, which was Rashomon and other stories, which I guess I had. There are so many. Like the what is thought of as Rashomon of the core story of in the grove actually and which was made into the film rashomon there are many points of view and so one version of rashomon and other stories has six versions one has 17 short stories one is the film (laughs) which is what bo did (laughs) and that's cool because we all like the film as well and i had thought about doing the film rashomon with ghost dog before as well um so i and i watched it again in preparation for this just as like a bonus in addition to reading rashomon and other stories my version being six short stories um hold on let me open this to the page where it has all the short stories the first one being in the grove which was what was turned into the film rashomon then actual rashomon yam gruel the martyr kisa and marito and the dragon so um I know Bo in in Bo. Well, first of all, Duncan is at least temporarily off because childcare situation. Right. He had a he had a daddy daycare situation. A daddy nightcare in his right. case. He is no case. longer Tyler Perry in the podcasting world. <laughs> yeah, he's. <laughs> <laughs> Duncan <laughs> McLeish thought he had it all. And then, <laughs> then he that took his child daycare. to see a movie. That was daddy daycare. This is daddy nightcare. Well, so he's I'm having to about. deal with a nightmare situation, which makes sense since he's a horror podcaster primarily. So, Right. In theory, he should go up to his, his lovely daughter and say, Suck it up. 
it's only scary you know and just yeah awful. exactly uh, so anyway because, hopefully duncan will join us back again but if not we're gonna try to continue the conversation here that is most scottish uh child care is humiliation and degradation <laughs> That was an interesting, uh, I would, that's a, you know, and it, something I would expect of the buzz more than I would expect of Duncan be, you know, it's the whole country. Oh, okay. I, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't like to paint people with a broad brush or anything, but the Scottish are an angry, awful people. Okay, sure. Sorry. No, I'm kidding. Of course. I take, I, I'll take that. I don't I'm, know. I'm saying all of this so that I hope when Duncan listens to it later, it just infuriates him. <laughs> sure. I, I'm I'm sure he'll be like, right on. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. I, I will get a, a message from him that's like, you, you finally understand me. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, what we're going to do is... We're going to cover Rashomon, the film, which actually is based on the short story in the Grove. But um, that's what Bo, you uh, you went over <laughs> unexpectedly, and that's that we that's fine. We got our wires crossed a little bit, and well, we're adaptable. That- adaptable here you know duncan had his child care emergency you know you're you're still being very generous yeah and i apologize yes we were supposed to talk about the book i read we were supposed to talk about the book and what i then thought immediately was i need to watch that movie (laughs) and because it's a good fucking movie it it is a great fucking movie and in fairness and in deference to Akira Kurosawa, it is a masterpiece of cinema. And and in all fairness to the book, I should have just said, let's just watch the fucking movie. Because there's so much to say about the movie. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I again, thank thank you for covering. Um, Sorry, sorry to say that, but I I, as much as I like the book. Well, like like I I said. I think that that's what I should have done. Well, you know, when I was in college low many years ago, um, I, I read, I I read the, the set of stories, but you know, I was 22 and there's a lot of water under that bridge. And when you read the titles of the stories still, I was like, yeah, I don't remember that. Um, so but I remember the movie very well, not because I just watched it recently, but be- because, I mean, is, is Rochamon as a, a, a piece of literature important? Of course. Um, is the movie Rushmon a landmark of cinema? It most certainly is. It is maybe the most important film to come out of Japan at the time. Um, and maybe still, I, I feel absolutely it is. I saw it on the big screen a few years ago and, and that was even before it was whatever restored edition. And I just, my friend and I, that we, we went and saw it and we were just like, 
our mouths were just hanging open half the film because there are just certain shots that you're like, oh, my God, it looks so amazing. Yeah, and uh, like I've got the Criterion deal, mm-hmm. and and so it's like the restored, like the 2008 restored version of it, and it's yeah. beautiful. And yeah, the <laughs> the thing that so I mean the story is of course it, it's the thing that's been parodied a million times, mm-hmm. which is there is a a rainstorm happening. Uh, we've got a priest and a woodcutter. Uh, well, he's a bandit. Yeah. And, and in the, uh, they're hiding at the Rochemont gate, uh, hiding from the storm a little bit, you know, while the rain is, uh, is pouring down. And then another dude shows up who is kind of the bandit. And, uh, at any rate, the the priest in the is it I, I thought it was the priest in the woodcutter. Do I have this wrong? That are the ones who testified. Yeah. Yeah, but it's kinda I mean but it kinda seems like the one who's the woodcutter is also he's not necessarily someone who's completely on the up and up like a hundred percent of the time well, either. Like we, Yeah, but know, that's he's a little Iffy. Yeah. I, well, but that's the whole movie. <laughs> right. No, like, no, no. Yeah. Well, no, you're right. Absolutely. So, Everything, so, everyone except the priest. But, but he says, I would, I was. supposed to be in, in, assumedly, you know, just. Right. The, the, the priest is just having an existential crisis. Right. Well, film. so, so he might be, if, he's iffy too. Right. Well, cause he doesn't know who to believe. Right. And and he doesn't know anything of, for himself. So he is he's trying to weigh like who do you trust in a world where everyone seems to lie? It, it's sort of the theme of Rashomon. And the movie ends in or, you know, <laughs> spoilers for Rashomon. Um but ends in such a way that like I don't know that that grin is totally cool. You know? Um like well, and I think that I know you didn't read all these stories, but there seems to be a theme to me where the author goes through, and I'm sorry, I'm not going to even try to butcher butcher the Japanese name. That's horrible. I know and disrespectful, but it is I, Hideo so, Kojima. Is I am so bad with the pronunciation. That it's just it's it's horrible. Um, hold hold on. It's Toshiro Mifuni. Sorry about that. We were kind of summarizing the movie a little bit, and then and then diverged. But oh, okay. If I may, sure. I would say that. Uh, so you know, we started way back when talking about how this movie kind of parried uh, a bunch of other movies parodied this movie. Because what right. it is is there's this uh, there these guys meeting at this gate and they're chatting about a trial that has just taken place in which um, there is a crime described a, a a samurai warrior has been found dead um, witnesses have described a scene involving him his bride and a bandit and we get testimony from the bandit the woman 
the the woodcutter and um the the warrior himself the the, uh, the priest the priest the priest the priest that's right and and a lot of the early testimony is like yeah i saw this woman and i saw this guy but i didn't really see anything else and then it's like well i saw the woman and i saw this guy but i saw this other guy too but i didn't really see anything else and then you start to get the 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 story unfolds and it's you know well the samurai and his bride were were set upon by this bandit the bandit tied up the samurai and stories of how that happened differ and he you know assaults the the woman uh the bride and then the samurai ends up dead and the question is how did he end up dead why did he end up dead and there are various stories surrounding the events that attribute uh, a <laughs> like a murderer and a motivation that is very different from one another. And so the, the question of the movie is what is true and it's fascinating and beautiful and brilliant. And sorry to interrupt Vanessa. <laughs> no, you didn't interrupt me. It's, it's actually my, my father. So my father was here for a visit recently for the first time in, However, like 15 plus years, um, cause he just doesn't like New York. And, um, he saw, I was reading this book and I had given him this book actually a while ago. And we had discussed the story in the Grove and everything, which is the basis for, um, the movie Rashomon. And he hasn't, he said he doesn't think he's seen that movie, but, he said he might have, but um, it's just this whole idea of here's the truth, okay? Like, but what is each person's perception? What is what is the opinion? What what? How are you viewing the truth? And what is reality? And how distorted can reality become based on, you know, it be based on are you pressured to say things too because you hear certain things about criminal investigations? Because the bandit, he starts confessing to, oh, I killed him this way, blah, 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 blah. But even the spirit through the medium later says, Oh, I killed myself this way or whatever. Either one of those could be true. So, you know, maybe the bandits tell, maybe the bandits lying and he's saying, Oh, I killed him. Even if he didn't. And it was really the guy committed suicide or something. You know, it, you don't know for sure. Right. All we all we definitely know is that this guy is dead. And that this woman was assaulted, sexually assaulted. That right. is the all we know for certain. There is nothing else that is known for sure. We can't prove anything else. 
And when you have these conflicting stories, what do we have? And people have many reasons for bringing these stories upon, you know, what, I mean, false confessions, that's, uh, that's a whole, you know, thing we could go down. But maybe then again, it's someone claiming innocence, or it's, you know, someone who feels guilt over, this is how I feel shame over I was in this situation. I, who knows? There's so much that's just, there's so many layers of things going on right here. And in the film and in the story, and, and I feel the film is such an amazing adaptation of the story, the short story. Um, I feel it's so accurate and completely embodies the spirit. And just that, I, I, I don't know, it, it's, it, there's everything there of this sense of morality. And I mean, it's, I mean, relatively misogynistic morality. Let's, I'm going to point that out. But yeah. Because yeah, so much Japan. of his onus is on the woman's honor. And it's not the fact of, I mean, she's fucking raped. And she's therefore the one who's in the wrong in this whole situation. I mean, her husband, regardless of which situation you feel is the correct one, she's always the one who loses out. Well... So, it, 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 her version though is and, like oh and, i and, right and it, yeah you know like i he looked at me like uh, yes i had been raped but i had just been raped so i went to my husband for comfort and protection and he looked at me coldly and i lost my shit and i stabbed him in the chest I mean, that is not the ideal handling of the situation, but oh, no, also it is. I'm not saying it is, but it's, there's just a, there's a, at the core, just to begin with, it is all completely, there's nothing redeeming there in that no. way. Well, in, you know, Japan is not the most progressive nation today. When it comes to how women are viewed and treated, et cetera. Right. So in, in, in this period of like the reason it's bad today is because at this time it was awful, you know, like, Oh, I know that it was just like, they were little more than slaves in this culture. It's the worst. I'm aware of that, but, and it's, it's just, for me, it's hard to, see that where you're just kind of like it's enthralling to be pulled into this situation but at the same time you're just like i don't know about either one of you but when i watch this movie i what really when i watch this movie not just when i read this short story but when i watch this movie out of all of the characters 
in the entire film, the one I think is the worst acting and the one I care about the least is that wife, the bride who is sexually assaulted. She is the one I am least sympathetic with. She, for whatever reason, I feel she is the least, she's the weakest when it comes acting wise. And I don't know if that's true or not. Maybe it's how it was written. I, I just, for some reason, I don't associate any way, shape or form with her and I cannot connect. And I just am so distanced. I I would say I kind of like. Is it the woodcutters? She doesn't pull me in. I want. I am so repelled. Like I'm just like. I don't want to know any part of your story. Is it the the woodcutters' tale where she's she mocks them both? Yes, and, and that's yes. kind of my favorite version of her character, where she's like, you know. The, to me that is is sort of a skewering of the culture in a way where she's like oh you're supposed to either defend my honor or the guy who took my honor you're supposed to be man enough to let me be a, a free and independent woman and yeah. you can't even do that yeah and and i to me that is the character that i like uh, of her no. where she is the most empowered where she's like Look, you were my way out and you fucked even that up. So you two need to fight and kill each other. No, I agree with you on that. She's definitely, she's more interesting that way. But two, it's, I feel, probably more realistic. And the fact of, wait a minute, what the hell? <laughs> like, just what are you doing? I can't, I, 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 this makes no sense. Yeah, I, but then again, maybe it's male logic and I certainly acknowledge that, but -hmm. there is part of that character that makes sense to me. And, but it it is in the, in her rebellion, you know, like the, the, that seems to make the most sense. But again, we get to the end of this movie and we have all these varying stories about the events of the of the rape and and the murder. Right. And and at the end of the movie like we have this kind of, you know, he, the commoner I think is is how he's credited in the film, but he's like, well, look, everybody's in it for themselves. They were all lying. We don't really know what happened. So, kind of fuck everything. <laughs> and, yeah. And the it's it's the woodcutter it, like they hear a baby crying and the woodcutter ultimately says, Hey, I've got six kids of my own. I'll take this baby and I'll, I'll take off. And you know, like I'll, I'll care for this child, even though somebody abandoned it. And the priest is like, no, 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 you can't do that. Cause they left an amulet. So it'd be protected. And he's like, yeah, but the baby will die and I'm yeah. just going to take it home. Yeah. And, but, you don't know because <laughs> there's a whole thing with a pearl hand handled dagger where it's like, well, maybe he stole that 
And but also, if he's got six kids at home, maybe it makes sense that he stole it and and wanted to sell it because it was I, a pearl handled dagger. And also, maybe it makes sense that he takes this kid home. But also, there's that smile at the end of the movie that I don't totally trust. So I don't know what I believe about that guy. And yeah. but that's that's sort of the whole point of Rashomon is. You don't know who to trust that everyone, everyone has their subjective experience. And it, it's really one of those movies that as I was watching it again recently, it was like, man, this, this has never felt more true that, that people possess their own reality. Fake news. Yeah, right. It is that kind of thing of like, well, I, I'm telling you, it's it's exactly like it's all what you make of a situation of what is your point of view, right? And and also, what is your standing? Who do you trust? Because like, mm-hmm. why do you trust someone who? What why do you trust their perspective to begin with? When they tell you something, why do you believe it? And once you start questioning that. Once you like the priest uh, is having this problem in the movie is once you start tugging at those threads of like, why do I believe this person over another person? Do I know this person? Really? Do I really know them? Do I really trust them? Once you start tugging at that, you start to break down society and in a way that's really like, like you see at the Rashomon gate where it's these people who don't trust one another. Like everybody, Everybody is kind of exhibiting the worst of behavior and, uh, and, and only the priest, it, like the priest is sort of a neutral observer, but the reason he's so mute and, and, and sort of, uh, flaccid in the movie is that he's just paralyzed by this idea that, well, I don't know what's real anymore. If I can't trust what people are telling me, you know, like where is the honor in lying and and once once you introduce that into the fabric of society then it just rots from beneath you so and what i'm saying is rushman's kind of a comedy very lighthearted. yeah but no it's like there is a very <laughs> grim read of this movie and it's kind of the one i agree with most that is yeah. a really a really dark kind of interpretation of this film. Uh, but I don't know. What do you guys think? I feel like I've been talking forever. I apologize. No. So, I mean, it, it really is. Rashomon, it's, it is there, that aspect of what is reality that that entire. I mean, it's, I feel that's a very fascinating point to make. But in a case of, of, you know, of an investigation, what, how is, it also points to the criminal justice system, how to, I mean, maybe I'm reading too much into that. But. No, but I, I, I think it's kind of interesting that you never hear the voice of the judge or, or the, yeah. like, you just hear the witnesses. You never hear the, yeah. the person questioning them. Um, no, you are absolutely right. You never hear that. It's always the people who are just saying, this is my opinion. Right. This is my point of view. Right. It's just like, here is subjectivity laid bare. 
Like, here, yeah. the, like I'm going to give you my perspective on the, these events and the, the perspective I have is going to be at least subtly, if not wildly different than the person who comes after me and uh, good luck. And, but it's it, like, <laughs> it's one of those things where when you're talking about a movie like Rashomon and you're like, yeah, it's, it's a, a total classic dude. And it's like, of course it is. It like, it, it, it is a, a, like a work of art. It pierces through this idea of what is justice, what is subjectivity, what is, what is objectivity, what is, what, it, what are facts, you know, like it is a brilliant piece of both like cinematic and philosophical art that well what gets me is that truly you look at the kurosawa film and the different shots you have that are just so lovingly embrace each person and i mean there's something very sensual about it way it embraces each person in each moment it's just so rich in the just portraying the fact of we're going through all these different leaves to find this different place in the grove where i've buried these guns oh we're you know, oh, it's the veil that the the woman has over her head. And, you know, you see a different shot through that. You know, I mean, these different moments that there are certain things like the camera angles that are just portrayed so lovingly. And that is what I love about this film. Yeah. You know, and even when you read the short story, there's something so there's something so captivating about those moments of okay, the woman's you know her hat was caught among you know whatever. Right, whether Just, it was caught in the bushes or on the ground. It was caught in the bushes or whatever. You know, it, it, it's still these moments of, okay, it's, you're not, there's a lot of word economy. I And I've used that, I've used that phrase on this show before, word economy. Um, when, because this short story and the other short stories that comprise Rashomon and other short stories or other stories, whatever, it's not, it's not a very large amount of space and the adjectives and everything they're there, but there are not so many of them packed into a sentence that it's crammed full of description, you know, it's, but it's a very clear picture you have. And it's still, and maybe it speaks to Japanese sensibility in the way visual art even is created. The minimal, the sense of minimalism. I, I don't know. 
Um, well, it's also but, Kurosawa didn't have a ton of money to make this movie. It was kind well, of done on the cheap. Yeah, it's true. It's true. But this is con- this is really what ended up being considered his masterpiece. Yeah, which is crazy because it was relatively early in his career. It yeah, was, it was like even Japan. I know. All right. So I don't know nothing about reading, but I do know this. When when okay. this <laughs> when the when the movie sure. came uh came out and in Japan it was a pretty big hit but it wasn't like revered and then mm-hmm. uh it, it started to make its way into international festivals kind of against all common sense of Japan at the time where they right. cuz their argument was it wasn't Japanese enough. It wasn't representative enough of what kind of modern Japanese cinema was. And there was a a curator at an Italian film festival, I think, uh, that, that championed the movie to get in. And it was sort of the first time it was seen on, on the world stage. And immediately people were like, what in the fuck? This is amazing. And it got like when, um, when it finally came out in the U.S., which uh, came out in '51, a year later, and yeah. uh, they they gave it an honorary Oscar because there was no foreign language film category at the time, but like it was so good, they were like, "Well, we can't give it a real white American Oscar." But <laughs> God forbid, right, right. We like nobody, nobody's talking crazy here, but. It is so good. We're gonna give it this special Oscar, and it. But it. It basically the Oscar was like for best, best language in a foreign language or best uh, film in a foreign language, something like that. It was just an honorary title where like just Hollywood in general was like, we have to acknowledge that this movie just mm-hmm. like ran rampant over everything we produced this year, and it's it, anyway like. The story of of uh, uh, of Rashomon as a film, like it is kind of a weird underdog story, but well, and that's what I wanted to talk to you be about because I know you didn't end up reading the actual book, right? And, you know, whatever short story, but you know the story here, and. That is what makes this. I mean, Kurosawa. I I know. I I like so many of his films, but the story here is so significant, and that is what is just so powerful. You know that right. that that's what I wanted to ask you about. Well, I mean, it's clear, like, again, this is early on in Kurosawa's career, but it was pretty clear, like, after this movie, just the world in general was like, oh, there's a new Akira Kurosawa movie coming out? Well, we'll watch that, because, like... Well, well, of course. Right. Like, Rashomon was that big a deal. It was a tremendous... Uh, success on the world stage much more so than it was in Japan like it was only kind of revered in Japan after the rest of the world like championed it, it. and, and yeah. one, one of the, the things that you heard in Japan at the time 
based on my research, obviously I was not a Japanese person uh, alive at that time. But are you uh, sure? Uh, you know, no. I could Aubrey Rose this as uh, uh, someone <laughs> uh, who was in in Japan at the time, but but I'm just yeah, checking. Yeah, I, I can't say a definitive uh, no to that. But okay. But, but the thing that was fascinating about it was that like Japan thought the the reason it was or like Japanese cinema or critics at the time thought the reason it was so successful in the West was because it wasn't that Japanese a movie. You know? Yeah. Like, they were like, well, yeah, clearly it was successful because it's way more Western in its sensibility. And, but ironically, it made the rest of Japanese cinema kind of open up because people were like, well, if this is coming out of Japan, what else is there? And, uh, in, right, you know, right. in a lot of ways, it was it was one of the first kind of post-World War II films where people were like, you know what? Those Japanese are okay. Um, where, <laughs> you yeah. know, coming out of bombing the shit out of that country in a couple of different ways. Uh, but that, like, the rest of the world was like, okay, we're kind of welcoming Japan back into the uh, the, the, the community, the world community. Like, they've... You know, we're in country jail for a while. <laughs> Rightly right. so. Like, like Japan did awful shit in World War Two. There is, oh, uh, no doubt. But you know, we did too. I mean, like everybody was. There was a lot of awful shit going on. Uh, right, right. But but you know, Japan as a rule, particularly heinous. Like some of the shit that yeah. they did in Japan, or not Japan, but uh, in China. Is like yeah. shocking. So, yeah, I know. So, but at any rate, there's some pretty yeah. But 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 that's again that's kind of what's interesting about a movie like this and a filmmaker like Kurosawa, where that's the backdrop, right? Like that wasn't hidden. People knew that that went down, and 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 also you know what uh, uh, five years before this movie came out, five years. There were atomic mushroom clouds over Japan, and this movie being accepted on the world stage so shortly after is significant, you know. But Japan was incredibly docile. Like after the war, they were like, "Yeah, we fucked up. What do we have to do to get right with the world again?" And, but that's very Japanese in its own way. Um, at any rate, again, I, I Japanese history is so fascinating b because it is a story of innovation and creativity and misogyny and violence and brutality I, and beauty. Yeah. It's it's everything. It's incredibly complex. Yes, yes, it's but, incredibly complex. Um, yeah, it, but but that's what makes it so intriguing and and makes their culture so interesting. It's it's one of those things like I can't I can't imagine growing up in an environment like that. And um, you know, like we I've uh, talked about it before on Hero Hero Go Show, but some of the like some of the misogyny inherent in that culture is so deeply rooted <laughs> that. It's shocking that, yeah, like the the way that women are viewed still 
is almost primitive. It, it, you know, like there have been big strides, no doubt about it. And, and, but it is still a culture in which there is an expectation of women that is more aligned with like a, a, the ideal of 1950s America that is but well, but even more intense in a, in a lot of ways it's crazy well i mean you look at the film rashomon and just just the way the woman is here the the bride like i mean like i said like she is the character that i want to associate with the least because i feel she is so I don't know what is going on with her, you know, well, it, I, I just, it, there's, there's a certain amount of, I feel weakness and, you know, I feel there's also, she's devious and uh, to some degree, because I don't, you know, because I feel like she, either she's losing her mind or, she, I, I don't know what else, and she just feels like she has to manipulate a situation, you know, and, you know, you don't know what is going on with her. Yeah, I mean, is she purely and, a victim? And But also because of, again, the culture that we're but talk, talking about you, here. You just, you're just made to feel like she is such, really, the... As much as I want to be the person who cares about the victim first and foremost, I can't in this situation. She doesn't make herself sympathetic. Well, and the characters do not go out of their way. Like, they immediately blame her. It, it, is, right. it is never the bandit's fault that she got raped. It is always no, no, no. And, and I'm, but I'm not even talking about them. I'm talking about when it's supposed to be a more quote unquote even portrayal of you know what you know the the uh, the one guy sees he just observes from the side, yeah. you know. And it's not the bandit, and it's the one who just happens to over, you know, who see what's going on. You know, he's supposed to be, give the more sympathetic, you know, vision of what's going on. But you see her going back and forth and pitting them against each other. Well, that's not sympathetic either. Yeah, yeah. Like, she ranges from complete doormat to black widow right her, is sort of her range and yeah it's you know but i i mean you're not wrong but we're also talking about like 1950s japan and that's when it was filmed and you know of course and i mean when it was written was much earlier right well earlier i mean probably 50 you know, 40 to 50 years earlier. Right. But, all right, so let me ask you this, like, uh, uh, in 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 way of kind of closing. But, so, because I'm a dummy and didn't read the book, but for those listening, uh, and God bless them, 
what about the book? Like, it, would you recommend the book or the movie or both or one over the other? Um, I would recommend both, truthfully, because, I mean, one, the film, I mean, Kurosawa, I, I can recommend every Kurosawa film that I've seen. But this story, you have this amazing story. And that is what really comes here with the book. Um, even if it's the version of the book that's like in the grove, that short story with the five others, which is what I was reading, or with 16 others, which is what I think some of our listeners had picked up. Actually, I know that's hanging around. I think there might even be another version that has even more of the same author's short stories. Because that's what he was primarily known for, was short stories. And he had a very short career. Um, he ended up killing himself by like a like overdose, like accident accidental maybe maybe not you know whatever how that goes um but it the thing is is that the short stories are they're so there there's a lot there and um you have you have so many things in a short amount of time that I think the short story that this one that in the like in the grove that this Rashomon film was based on was maybe 16 pages long that's a six that's a short story yeah. I mean for a short story that tells you how much can go on in that there's one short story that's 16 pages long called the martyr that's about this monk, these group of monks, Jesuit, um, pre, I'm sorry, Jesuit priests, who find this child orphaned. And they say, oh, this little boy, we'll take him in, blah, 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 blah. We'll raise him all these years, blah, you know, we'll keep him here and, you know, with us and all this stuff. Well, it turns out, I mean, this is a whole kind of tale of, it's partly a condemnation of organized religion, but it also ends up that it's this, like, gender-bending thing, too, and, like, thing about, like, condemnation, certain amount of sexual mores about these people who judge others, you know, without... Do you know the whole situation of, oh, maybe they've done things themselves when, you know, they're blaming other people, you know, that kind of thing. Right. You know, and he's writing these short, the the author's writing these different short stories that work in so many different ways. And, um, and like I was saying that even in, the movie Rashomon, you have, oh, 
differences of opinions and points of view, you can see a certain amount of that in all these different stories. There's a certain, you know, there's a certain amount, there's a certain feel about that. And there's a certain amount of so many of them come across as like fables and things like that. And it, I mean, it's, it's just a very interesting way of, it's this period of modernism where, you know what I mean? Where it's kind of like, we're pulling on these elements of the past while we're still writing in the modern era as far as short story goes. And it's so accessible that way. And that's what I like about it. All right. So, I mean, I think so thumbs up to the book. Yeah. Uh, movie of course is brilliant. Oh, with the movie, the movie, uh, I just, I could get, so into how brilliant the movie is yeah it's my favorite who's your favorite character in the movie i have to ask I, look i'm a tashira mifuni uh fan uh he he plays of course the bandit in in the oh yeah the thank you thank you and, and thank like you. his like crazy laugh his uh, laugh is 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 so delightful. And I'll tell you what else is great is the the scene where like he's been uh, you know in his story he was poisoned on the beach and whatnot, but just laying on the ground writhing in pain. It's like yes, that's a like kind of a disturbing scene. And well, all all of his work that he does, I feel, is so is so great that and the woman that plays the medium i feel that the way that they contort their faces and the way that they contort their bodies is so expressive i it's on this whole other level of acting i i really i really enjoy it every time i see it yeah, there, there's a, a, especially with the medium. Yeah. There's an element of, like, no theater. Yes. Absolutely. But, yeah, uh, like, Mifune is uh, all through, like, Kurosawa used him a lot, and he, he's fantastic, and, uh, like, this is early... Uh, Toshiro Mifune and and it's really good and it kind of gets better as you go like he's great in uh, Seven Samurai and, mm -hmm. and like he, he's just one of those dudes that every time he shows up in a Kurosawa movie you're like yeah. oh oh he's gonna be great in whatever he does it, it's yeah. nice to see um, yeah. but yeah it like you know I mean not to put too fine a point on it but uh you know, Kurosawa's Rashomon is is genius. Obviously, wouldn't exist without the short story, and and the other short stories are of a kind and and well worth the time. Uh, which yeah. is how I rhyme my way out of every segment. Yeah. Um, no. 
So uh, no, thank you. Like, th- thank you for coming on, and I I know we're and thank you for rolling with the punches, as as it were. Uh, hey, uh, thanks for rolling the, the ones I was throwing. Like, a, hey, what book? Yeah, I <laughs> well, again, I'm an idiot. No, no, it's all good. It's all good. It's all good, Bo. Right. Any time to have you here is a delight. Of uh, course, I I feel the same. I I like I, you know, I'm almost glad Duncan's gone. Because <laughs> then finally I get a chance to shine. Well, <laughs> maybe get a chance to speak a little bit more. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, love that's... you, Duncan. <laughs> Uh, all right. So, uh, how do how do you wanna... where 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 was gonna say where can people find you or find both of you or just find you? How about can, all right. <laughs> I'll leave it up to you. <laughs> I, I can I can tell you all of those things. I think uh, I've heard it enough. So you can find Duncan at uh, the podcast under the stairs on most podcast catchers. Uh, you can also go to tputzcast.com and uh, and and find the show and all the links to social media and all that stuff. And uh, as for us, hey, uh, this you know this show is one of many on legionpodcasts.com. and uh, you, you can find uh, more shows there. As well as some stuff I do, including a show with Duncan called Duncan and Bo Come Correct. We are currently in a season where we are looking at the AMC series, The Terror Infamy, which is uh, not, you know, uh, disconnectedly about uh, the Japanese internment camps of World War II and a, a ghost run amok in uh, that environment. And it's a, a, a really good show, and we're having a good time talking about it, and we get very silly. And uh, you can hear lots of stuff on legionpodcasts.com, and you can also uh, just search any podcast catcher for Legion Podcasts and get uh, this show and Duncan and Bo Come Correct and, and a million others. Not a million, that's a lot. A lot of shows. Uh, a good two dozen shows. Uh, are on the network and uh, you can you can find the one that you you like the best and uh, and and then devote your life and and income and children to it okay sounds like a plan <laughs> yeah I well you know you want to give like listeners like not only can you go to the shows here's how you can directly support them with your firstborn oh yeah I I sure I I I agree that works okay then great i will uh let you go then and uh on that note i'm gonna be out and um we'll be back to wrap up the show If you enjoyed this show, then make sure you check out the other great shows on the Legion Podcast Network, like Cinema PsyOps, Cinema Beef, Devour the Podcast, Duncan and Bo Come Correct, Exploding Heads Horror Movie Podcast, Friday the 13th, Get Slayed, The Hell Ming Power Hour, Hello, This is the Doom Show, Hero Hero Ghost Show, Kill the Cast, Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space, Jerry Hates Action, Legion After Dark, Mental Health, Obsessive Cinema, Discourse, 
Pick 6 Movies, the podcast by The Cemetery, the podcast on Haunted Hill, the Psycho-Semantic Podcast, Rick Radio, House of Wax, Dude Looks Like the 80s, Rabbit and Red Radio, The Shadecast, Short Bus Cinema, Two Drink Minimum Commentaries, The VD Clinic, Who Will Survive Horror Podcast, and Which Versus the Doomsday Clock. With such a widespread of shows, there is guaranteed to be a niche for you to fall in love with. Horror, politics, movies, books, sex, music, commentaries, health, video games, kaiju, action, news, comedy, and opinions that would most likely get you killed in some parts of the world. We are proud to bring you some of the best podcasting in the world. Check us out at www.legionpodcast.com, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, and any other dark corner of the internet where podcasts can be found. Okay, and we are back um, now that we've recovered from some slight technical difficulty, some user malfunctions. <laughs> Not to laugh. Um, I only laugh because I've been there. Darren. Yes. Well, except for you had a child care issue, too. So Yeah, which is fun, fun to do when you're a little uh, inebriated. Uh, <laughs> I am a much cooler, better dad when I'm high. Yeah. I'm not a mean, I don't want anybody to think that like when I'm drunk, but I'm less creative and, uh, anyway. Yeah. So probably like, just a little, maybe just not as happy. Yeah. There we go. It, it, yeah. It was, you know, one of those things where I wasn't feeling good. And then apparently my progeny had had enough of the day. Uh, he went to Legoland and he went and saw Frozen 2. And well, that'll do it to you. Fell asleep for a minute, woke up and was inconsolable. Um, so uh, my wife, if if. Uh, Saint. <laughs> she could be a saint sometimes because they're a lot they they have similar tempers so uh it's good to have the middleman when possible because they're both stubborn in good ways i love you if you're listening i don't know if you listen to my stuff anymore but, <laughs> you know it's after so long you don't go to see like your boyfriend's band every time they play so who knows anyway <laughs> here we are yes here we are um yes and yes duncan had his child care situation too so it happens Bo, i, I just let Bo go um as needed anyway so yeah yeah, yeah. but Bo, the yes Kids are we great, tried to we tried to wrap it up good. and we tried yeah we tried to wrap it up uh, a little bit even I know just because people were expecting us to talk more about the book and we talked about the film Rashomon which is perfectly fine with me I was going to bring it up anyway yeah I just it was inevitable that we were going to bring it up it was just how much time were we going to speak to you know to it but 
I didn't know if there was anything you wanted to interject as far as that goes or the book. I wanted to give you the opportunity, and we also just needed to close out the show anyway. But, um, yeah. So, Darren, do you have any thoughts on either Rashomon the film or the short stories we were reading? I am... Uh, let's see. I, I Yeah, I think In the Grove, wa, In a Grove, was my favorite story in the book. But it could have just been that I... It, it was beautiful language, but some of it was harder to read because it's, you know, translated. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I am a fan of the movie. I actually came to the movie late. I didn't see it until college. Mm-hmm. And I was taking some weird class that paired uh, like J.D. Salinger stories with movies that were not based on J.D. Salinger things. You know, those upper English credit things near the end of your degree Um, (laughs) that people just make up and colleges will just say, yeah, go ahead. Um, I liked it then. I I think I like it more the older I get. Yeah. Uh, Let's see what else. I've got some little summaries here. Um, the martyr was pretty interesting. Yeah, I right. I was going to bring that up. Um, and apparently, it was the authors just kind of poke at religion, which is fun. Which is I, I know. <laughs> which of course we like around here. So uh, <laughs> I thought I'd mention that for that reason, but also the sense of poking at morality in the society and women's virtue and that whole concept and then you know and just gender it's so it's kind of it's not so subversive but i'm sure for that time it was yeah i mean i i mean to be critical of so many things yeah and the it's sort of well not in a weird way some of these stories sort of reminded me of the canterbury tales oh absolutely and i i don't know uh probably just because it has to do with you know sex and deceit Mm -hmm. uh made me think what was it the baker's wife or the uh something somebody's wife i think it is the baker's wife been a minute since i read that but it it has the you know old time style but talking about things that not not necessarily was talked about in most literature at the time right uh but yeah (laughs) making fun of the holier than thou um religion and then the, the person that's kicked out to live in shit is like the hero Right. Uh, what else? Yeah. Um, you know, I, they were all good. Uh, I, I had the the shorter version like you had. It had like five stories. I've never read the seventeen story one. No, I haven't either. Um. Yeah, and it's cool. truthfully, truthfully, when it comes to. Japan. I don't know if I said this earlier in the show, but 
truthfully, when it comes to Japanese writing, I'm from more familiar with poetry. Mm. I have about three volumes of books written by, of just like collected poems written by Japanese female poets. Oh, cool. Specifically female poets. Like, <laughs> that's just... Yeah, this is just kind of thing I have sitting on my shelf. <laughs> Why not? Right. So, but I'm not I'm not as familiar with the prose. Yeah, I, I'm trying to think of what else. Um, I you know I never read Battle Royale, like the movie, but no, I, I reading the book. No, it's one that's on my to read list. So it's 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 worth the time. It's not a really long read. And I actually finished this weeks ago. Uh, right. I yeah. thought it was going to take me longer to read than it did. And mm -hmm. I was like, oh, I'm done. Okay, stoner, don't forget everything. <laughs> yeah. Um, but what was it? Loren Lorenzo in the marker. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and you know uh what there was the samurai and yam gruel or gruel yeah that was sort of i mean it's always fun to read about samurais and it gets me a, a little bit more excited for the coming season of westworld yeah <laughs> So there might be some of the samurais. It looks like there's going to be Nazis and stuff in that too. So they're going all over the place. But uh, yeah, I've I would recommend the book along with like I think we spoke glowingly of Ghost the film Rashomon <laughs> and the film Rashomon, which was <laughs> yeah, just on but... Turner Classic Movies last week. Oh, there you go. Yeah, and then Ghost Dog. Yeah. Definitely. I've actually, and I've given this book to my father before, and he really enjoyed it. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> That's probably, I mean, it's, he, he and I have like, we'll read some of the same things, but definitely not everything. And so, you know, that's someone who we don't necessarily, we'll read, I guess, more. We've read, he's the one who got me into reading Eastern philosophy, though, at a young age. So it's not unsurprising that, you know, he enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> so. Anyway. Okay. Um. Well, what do we have going on for our December show? I mean, we're we're going to do, let me say, instead of a referral slip, we're going to do a commentary, and it's going to be The Sins of Sister Lucia. Get some nunsploitation going on up here, but... <laughs> oh, that's right. I wasn't sure if that was the one we landed on. Yeah, I think so. Is it easy I to get? So. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I got it on Amazon, and I've seen it on a couple other sites. Cool. Yeah. And our our probable guest probably has a copy. Yes, 
He does. He does. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so we are doing. It, go ahead. It's a, it's um yeah Japanese actually non exploitation. Hey, we're keeping we're tying all the episodes together. Kind of, kind of. But what are we doing for our big uh, December end of the year show? Ah, the um, not really Christmas Christmas movie. Yeah. We are doing 2005 mystery drama, The Ice Harvest, starring John Cusack, Billy Bob Thornton, and Randy Quaid, directed by Harold Ramis. Uh, based, okay. Uh, what is it? It's based off of a book mm -hmm. that I should have looked up the name of the author. But it is Scott Phillips. Scott okay. Phillips wrote the book. But we're just doing the movie, right? Right. Okay. We're just going to do a movie. Which um, is the, the book. I've read it before. Yeah. And it's almost exactly the same as the movie. I'll probably just interject a thing or two. When yeah. We talk about the movie. Okay. You've never seen it before, right? Correct. Okay. I hope you like it. Okay. It's been a while since I've seen Sins of Sister Lucia, so I hope you like that. <laughs> <laughs> I probably will. Uh, the uh, Like I said in our behind-the-scenes conversation, so far, the only movie that I just don't think I'll ever watch again is uh, nude nuns with big guns, and uh, that's, was, yeah, yeah, that's not the best. Yeah, it's, it's a little too much of some of the things, and not enough of others. And yeah. I, I think I might have mentioned it before, but you know, I was supposed to do it on a show with someone else. Uh, mm -hmm. The witch and I were going to do it, and uh, on his show, and yeah. we both kind of wrote each other tenderly sort of feeling each other out yeah <laughs> it's like okay we're gonna watch it and then i was like hey have you watched any of this yet yeah let's pick a different movie um and that's when we did was it arena the Pamela oh yeah movie mm -hmm. yeah yeah so better choice but yeah i uh, mean yeah yeah pam greer there so <laughs> sins of sister lucia yeah. And yeah, so that is December. That will be December. And I'm supposed to come up with January? Yes. Okay. <laughs> and I'll get on that. Um, okay, you do that. VD Clinic Pod, if you didn't say it in the wrap up with Bo. Yeah. At most places. Uh, at Gmail for the email. Um, you have anything our to flick, add? Our oh, flick chat. Yeah. Flick chat app is also that. Yeah. And that is where some of or all of the competitions are going to be from now on. Yeah, we had, um, I got those books out to uh, Lance. Yes, I think he's already read one. Oh yeah, he's started started today. <laughs> or started at least. Yep. 
Um, yeah. Flick chat app, Instagram, all Facebook, that fun stuff. all those fun places. Yeah. So, um, do you have anything else going on outside the show that you want to plug real quick or uh, let's do, well, I guess psycho semantic, um, Sometime around the time of recording, I will be releasing Assassination Nation with our friend Desmond, who was on last month's VD Clinic pod with us. Yes. And I am probably doing a UK election special with our friend Kit Power. Yeah. Ahead of their mid-December election. Trying to be a little less American and talk about other governments. <laughs> uh, other than that, I have no idea what else is going on over at Psycho Semantic and uh, Atomic Age Saucer Cast. As of recording, we just recorded the thing from another world from 1951. There you go. Yes. So thank you, everybody. Uh... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, have a good evening. I'm Vanessa, and this is... More like himself, Darren. <laughs> okay. Bye. You could just, I'm saying, you could, you could just come over top of that shit. Can I hear it? Nigga, and bring your head, huh? And it don't, 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 it all starts with the pad and pen, shall we begin to burn bush in this rap session? Once again on the run, be the black stallion, now you fucking with the callion. Mm-hmm. Iron lung, boy, me can't done, army of one, blaze your bun, I'ma get you none except challenge. Ha, run a mile with a racist, they iced it, I aced it, placed it, right up in their face till they faced it. Hard to the dome like a chrome microphone, I'm b- 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 bad to the bone, to the bone. Danger, zone, that's my life and my song, keep it moving, hop along, little doggies. Uh, uh. Robin Mac, Cadillac, dark shaded window, all sunny black, fake antenna back of the car, side is on TV, even a bar, bulletproof down, safe and sound, sober in the front just to drive the Lexus all around, give the, give the, give the body a ride, nice and warm aside, come to the dirt dog, it's a cummy ride. <laughs> Yo, yo, a Wu-Tang click will make your atoms split. With power in my brain, you can't fathom it. Whoever go against the will of the grain will get slain. Don't ever say die, God, name in vain. My third eye electronic dragonfly spy will observe every chord your words. And your lives will approach you. And have my dogs come and ghost you. When it comes to the bread, sound the heat will toast you. Music makes me lose control. This is not just rock and roll. Hip-hop digs right to the soul. Music makes me lose control. Wu-Tang, now we on the roll. On the rise now here we go guaranteed to flip the show rears of beast is out of control out of control out of control out of control now here we go yo who got that nigga gas like he can't get ski masks abducted from his doorstep duffel bag his head for the price of nothing he's a glutton when i'm manifesting each day is a lesson y'all faggots came to the school of the 36 chambers copied off papers of scholars to earn dollars we trendsetters and woo leathers trendsetters and woo leathers whatever music makes me lose control this
this is not just rock and roll. Hip hop digs right to the soul. Music makes me lose control. Wu Tang, now we on the roll. On the rise, now here we go. Music makes me lose control. Music makes me lose control. Music makes me lose control. This is not just rock and roll. Hip hop digs right to the soul. Music makes me lose control. Wu Tang, now we on the roll. On the rise, now here we go. Guaranteed to flip the show. Rizza Beast is out of control. Out of control. Out of control. Out of control. Now here we go. 